But if you would with me, uh, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. And I would just like to talk about something that God put on my heart as I was thinking about the Christmas message. And I just want to welcome everyone that's here for the first time. Thank you for coming. In Isaiah chapter 9, when we think about Christmas, I think one of the most amazing things that one of the greatest paradoxes for me about Christmas is the actual event at, that happened in Bethlehem. If you think about the picture, <coughs> picture in your minds <coughs> with me the scene. You have a young family. Mary is probably <coughs> late teens, maybe 20 years old. That's what scholars say. Joseph is not much older. This is a young couple. And just kind of think of this in, in the way it would have appeared today. Because although times may have been different back then, people are not different. People still think the same way. They still have the same complexes. And people are people. And if you can imagine what Mary and Joseph were experiencing at that moment, I think it was a very unsettling situation. Because... And I, I, I consider myself a realist. I, I, I like to think about things the way they realistically are happening and not necessarily cloud, cloud it over with just religious uh, overture. But if you can look at and think with me about the scene there at Bethlehem, you have a young couple with an unexpected baby. Uh, Joseph and Mary have not had necessarily a proper wedding and here they are, they have a baby. Joseph is still probably going through in his mind the whole situation. Yes, God spoke to Joseph. Yes, God spoke to Mary. But I think that we all have been there where God has spoken to us, but we still in our minds kind of sometimes have a bit of unbelief or a struggle. Do we not? And I think that at that scene, we see this young couple with this baby in a barn, in a manger, in a... Uh, in a place where, because we know the story in the book of Luke, there's no room in the inn. They are, they are actually, in many ways, refugees. They're running for their lives, and they're now, they are now uh, hidden in Bethlehem. And last night at our cookie party that we had here, and it was just, we laughed so hard, we just had so much fun here. We discussed this, that if you can imagine a worldwide event... Um, think of something that you may know in today's time where there was a world presentation event of something, such as the new, newest iPhone or the uh, newest car, where it's a worldwide broadcast on the Internet event where everyone is trying to log on and just watch the event. It, was, it is well advertised and everybody knows about it and everybody knows the name of the product. But, you know, when Christ was born, this was an event that was not just some sudden, unexpected event. When Christ was born, it was, there was millennia of prophecies and, and preparation and discussion. And all the prophets from the beginning of the book of Genesis discussed that day of the coming King, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And yet, if you look at the book of Daniel, how how clear the book of Daniel is about the timing of Jesus' birth. If you look at the book of Daniel, you can see that the timing could be determined of exactly when Jesus was going to be born. 
and we see that in Herod's court, there were men that actually knew the date and the location in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, of where Jesus was going to be born. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, people knew that where it was written in Scripture. If you would do the math, and it's not difficult math, you could know the date and the time and the location of where Jesus would be born. But yet, when he was born, it to me, and this is just such the, the paradox of the whole thing, is where was everyone? You know? This is like one of the most amazing events in history. And their people are not there. I, I don't know if you've ever organized an event and nobody really showed up. Ever done, have you ever done that before? <laughs> it's not a great feeling. I mean, maybe you've cooked a big dinner for your family and maybe one-third of the people show up. You're a little bit like, I mean, if you're a parent or if you're a family member and you made a big dinner and not everybody shows up, it's a little bit of a, you know, I can't explain the feeling because I've never done it, but I have organized events and, 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 and I know what that feeling is. Well, here's God and here is the greatest event in world history, Jesus Christ being born and no one is there. <laughs> no one is there in Bethlehem. So at that moment, God has to send his angels to a group of just random shepherds that are not too far away in the hills, you know, um, feeding their sheep in the middle of the night. You know, Jesus was born probably very late at night. And he says, hey, you know, Jesus, the son of God. And so Isaiah chapter, chapter 9, and we see this in Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read these verses to you, but God says to the shepherds, look, this... The Savior is born, come and see him. And I'm just amazed at like the two things about that. Number one, this world that we live in consistently overlooks small but important things. Okay? And we were talking about this last night, that it's very easy to overlook small things that are just very, very important. Let me digress for a minute. When we look at the word history and we look at historical things that have happened in world history, okay, and we think about major historical events or maybe very famous people, very famous inventions, more times than not, these people or these events happened in obscurity. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. Thomas Edison, when he invented the light bulb, uh, that, was, that was an event that happened in obscurity. Uh, history is not made by what we read in the newspapers. History many times is, is made in quiet with not a lot of fanfare. And that's the way it is with the plan of God in our lives today, that God does things in yours and my life many times in a very quiet way, in a very quiet way. And it's very easy to overlook it if we're looking at it from the wrong perspective. But here God here speaks in Isaiah chapter 9 through the prophet Isaiah. And we read here, and I want to read, start in verse 6 and read verse 7. And I just want to talk about quietness and what divine quietness means and how we can um, experience really the, the precious Christmas quietness. And I, I, I know it's a unique subject, but I will get into it with you in a second here. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And look at these words with me. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Now what does that mean, the government will be upon his shoulder? The government of God and all of God's governmental dealings will be upon the shoulders, which means the responsibility 
on Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is actually bearing the government of God. And his name will be called... And it's very important to look at the names of God because they really express the characteristics of God. The first characteristic or the first name that's given is wonderful. If you were to describe Jesus Christ to someone, I think the first word that we would probably use is just wonderful. He's amazing. He's wonderful. Counselor. I like that word counselor because it means a person who is able to counsel or to console. Uh, I, I met a guy when I was in Istanbul, Turkey, and it was just so interesting how it had happened. We, I was in Turkey, the country of Turkey, last two weeks ago, and I'm there, you know, it's a Muslim culture, and there's, you know, every day at quarter five in the afternoon, there's that loud call of prayer from the minarets, and, you know, we were having a conference there with uh, some, of our, some of our people, a Christian conference with Pastor Mati and others, and I'm there just talking to people, mainly Middle Eastern believers, and this man comes up to me and he goes, I heard you're from Pennsylvania, <laughs> and he's Turkish, you know, and I'm, yeah, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I'm thinking, does he even know what that word means, Pennsylvania? I mean, this is, I felt so far away from home. He goes, yeah, he goes, I live in New Hope. I go, you live in New Hope? <laughs> and we're in Istanbul? And I, go, and I go, do you know where I live? He goes, where do you, I, go, I, I live in Doylestown, and that's like 10 minutes from New Hope. And so he starts talking to me, he goes, oh my gosh, it's so great to hear, because he's an artist, and he's a very, you know, just, that's the right place, New Hope, for artists. I don't know if you've been there, but it's a very artistic place. And he's there, and he says, I'm, I'm an artist there, I'm Turkish, and he says, I'm single, and he's like a, maybe a middle-aged guy, and he says, I'm having a major crisis in my life. I'm having a major crisis in my life. It's just my whole life is capsizing. And he goes, I was in so much pain and so much trouble, he said that I didn't know who to call. He said, you know how I called? He said, I called a lawyer. <laughs> he didn't know who to call, so he calls a lawyer. And the lawyer says, well, I don't know if I can do to help you, but I would suggest that you contact a church in the area. And he couldn't get a hold of anybody in the area, a church that would talk with him. And so here he is in Istanbul, Turkey, on the other side of the world, and he meets me, a pastor, 10 minutes away from him. And this man needed a counselor. And I talked with him for a while, and it was just such a great conversation. It's very important for God. His desire is to counsel us, and people need counselors. People go to psychiatrists, and psychiatrists can analyze what they can't answer. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever been there before. Jesus is a counselor, and mighty God, and everlasting Father. And then this is where I want to park, Prince of Peace. Peace. I think so many of us today, maybe even, even in this room and throughout the year, we struggle with this principle of inner peace. And I think many times there are times where we find ourselves in a place where we just don't have that inner peace. And you know, the peace of God is something that can be described as inner quietness. I don't want to get all meditative and mystical here with you, but Quietness is something that I think really lacks in the world today, inner quietness. And quietness is not silence, because someone could tell you to be silent, but we all know that being silent is not necessarily a good thing, because when we're silent, there can be anger suppressed, boiling underneath. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not inner quietness. That's just suppressing 
anger and, re- and reaction and fear and all of these things. Are you with me? Do you, are you following me? Inner quietness is not just being silent. But it's, it's something that is much deeper than that. When we look at, when we look at the scene at the nativity, <clears throat> and when we see when Jesus Christ was born, there was not a lot of quietness going on there. It was not necessarily a very quiet place, a peaceful night where, you know, everything was beautifully blue and there was a beautiful star. And I mean, there was that star, but I think it was actually very turbulent. In, inside, it was very turbulent. And I, there's a picture here. I saw this recently. This is probably a better picture of where Jesus was born, that kind of scene. I mean, see that trough there? Manger, as we know, means actually trough. The trough or the manger that Jesus was in was probably a, just a makeshift trough that animals would, would feed from. What an amazing scene. So when we think about the lack of quietness at that night, we can think of what was going on inside of Mary and Joseph's heart and then baby Jesus on that spot was that although there was a lot of noise, a lot of commotion, maybe a lot of inner confusion, not knowing really what's going on. I just think, I mean, if you really kind of dig in the stories of the Bible, you're going to find very real people with very real situations. They're in a barn and they're thinking what is really next in God's plan. And what could happen is, and there's a term that you may have heard it before, but it's called psychic noise. And what that means is, is that the word psychic is not a big word. It just means soul. You know, something that's psychic is soulish. And, and it is, soul is what makes up a person who they are. There's five parts of it. But a lot of people have psychic noise. They have noise in their soul that can just not, they can't turn it off. And... You may have been in this kind of a situation. I was in a taxi the other day, and, and uh, it was, was quiet. And he, I wasn't talking, and the taxi driver wasn't talking. And so he turned the radio on. I said, oh, no, you don't need to turn that on. It's nice, it's nice, to be, it's nice and quiet. You know? He goes, no, I, I can't have it quiet. I've got to have noise. I've got to have music. I've got to have something going on. And we began to talk about that. And do you know why that is? It's because there is noise inside of people. You know, in Joseph and Mary, there was noise, there was maybe questions, but they had the answer right in front of them about God's plan, and that was Jesus Christ. Psychic noise, from a psychological perspective, and I wanna, I'm going to make you think on the Christmas message today. <laughs> psychic noise is when, is when we have unresolved painful issues in our soul. Unresolved things, things that are that have happened to us on the inside. And I'm sure that every one of us here could say, they, and within seconds could point to something that is unresolved in your life that's causing noise in your soul, that's causing disquiet, that's causing fear, that's causing maybe guilt. And this is a time of year when maybe families get together and they're not feeling so good sometimes because maybe of some unresolved things that have happened. And this noise inside of the soul causes pain and it steals our peace it steals our peace what does God want to do with that well God wants to deal with that noise in our soul I think as a Christian it can be very easy for us to be very oriented to external things external life the external life of a Christian we don't swear we don't do bad things we don't 
drink, we don't smoke, we don't all do that, all of that stuff. And I think that maybe Christians maybe live like that, but I think that many times Christians on the inside may have soul noise or noise in their soul that they don't know how to deal with. And that is something that it's annoying, it's discomforting, it's tiresome, it causes burdens, and it actually wears us down. And it destroys our capacity for life. Capacity for those things that are important for us. Like, you know, Christmas time, family. It destroys our capacity for our job, for our business. And it distracts us from our eternal purpose. And so how do people deal with these kinds of issues? Well, how do people deal with it? Well, there's another word I want you to learn. We learn the word psychic, which means soulish. When you see those houses where they, you know, psychic readings, Mm -hmm. basically it's just someone who's functioning in their soul and not a spiritual person. They're just living, they're just functioning in their soul, giving you their opinion of what they feel about what's going to happen in your life. Okay. The second word that we can learn here this morning is just called sublimation. And what that means is, is that when a person's suffering pain on the inside, they're going to try to do something to get rid of that pain. And we've all been there. We have all face those plaguing questions or that plaguing memory or that plaguing pain or maybe there's an unfulfilled desire. Maybe you're single today and you're not married and you're just kind of worried about that. You're thinking, when am I going to get married? Or maybe you're married or maybe you are in a family situation or a job situation. And what happens is we try to replace that pain with something else. That's what that word sublimation means, to replace with Okay, maybe there is fear, so people try to replace it with something else. And this is what people try, and this is nothing new to us because we live in this world every day. People try to deal with the psychic noise by using narcotics, alcohol. They try to use relationships. Sometimes we seek relationships to try to mask and to soothe the pain. Uh, Work. How many of us dive into our jobs to kind of just silence the noise? Um, we, some of us will try to escape. Some people result to violence. Others just withdraw. Others will become religious. <laughs> there are some people that will actually become religious because they have pain inside. They'll actually become religioholic. You got workaholics and then you got religioholics. Somebody who is in so much pain, they're just going to jump into religion and they're going to become a monk and they're going to live a life of denial and they're going to go to some crazy mission field somewhere where they, are, where they are not in contact with the world. That is all sublimation. Others will just try to use more noise. But if you remember with me, here's Jesus in the manger with Mary and Joseph in a very interesting situation. And what was for them the quietness or what was for them the great answer for their inner turbulence and I just want to be very practical with us here today because we're all very practical people Uh, how did Mary and Joseph deal with these inner questions unbelief I'm sure that Mary and Joseph had questions if they didn't I don't think that they would have been real people actually we see in the scripture that Joseph had questions And we see that God appears to him with an angel and says, don't be afraid. God understood that Joseph was taking a step of faith by taking his wife with him, who was pregnant, and going along in the plan of God. And so what what was really the answer? Well, 
maybe are caught by you know my past or just my psychology or whatever. We just present ourselves. We say, God, I can't fix myself. God, I cannot fix my life. God, I am what I am. And God says, I know. And I came as you were and I died for you. The answer to have inner quietness and peace in our life is to try to is to not try anymore to fix yourself or to try to fix the situation. Because when we own when we are owning our problems or when we are trying to fix our own problems, that's where the struggle begins. Do you ever notice that the more you try to be loving, the less loving you are? <laughs> I mean it's just a natural law in the human psyche that the more the more we're told to do something the more we want to rebel, you know? You see the speed limit there and you're like, you're at 50, it's 55 miles an hour, you're at 54 miles an hour and you're like, I really want to go faster. I mean, there's something inside, well, that's the way I think, <laughs> I, just to be honest with you. Uh, there's something inside of the human psyche that just says, do not, if, if you're told do not do that, then you're going to be like, I mean, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, you're going to want to do that. <laughs> you know, if you tell a kid, whatever you do, don't go into that closet. You know, like, don't go in that closet. Like, you can go anywhere else in the entire house and the whole city. Just don't go in that closet. Do you hear me? And the kid's thinking, like, what's in the closet? <laughs> the curiosity, the law just starts to provoke, you know, the, that nature inside of them. And then they open the closet and they find all their Christmas presents. That's happened, that happened to me one year. I peek in, so my parents were like, you know, you know, don't go in that closet, whatever you do. If I find you in that closet, you're, you know, I was like, okay. As soon as they weren't looking, I, I was five years old. I was in that closet. Why? Because you can't correct human nature. You just have to present yourself to God. God corrects us. God changes us. God transforms us. And this is how quietness comes into our life. When we just come to God and we just lay aside in James 1 verse 21, just lay aside all the foolishness. And we just say, God, I'm laying aside all of what I'm trying to do. I'm, trying to, I'm going to lay, lay aside me trying to organize my life, and I'm going to just present myself to you because you love me. And when we do that, and then we start to receive the word of God in meekness, that's what changes us. James 1 verse 21 says this, laying aside all superfluity of naughtiness and wickedness, Receiving with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to deliver your souls. How many of us have met people that have come out of jail, but they are still in jail in their soul? How many of us have met people that have come out of very, very trying situations, and then, the, and then they're free, but they're still in their soul in bondage? God wants to set us free, and this is how he does it we present ourselves to him in grace and in love and he begins to he begins to change us christianity and the message of christ at christmas is not change thyself because we cannot change ourselves and that's the mistake that many times in religion is preached the great message that christ preached was that man cannot change himself but jesus came to change the world himself. And when we receive that engrafted word of God, like this is what we're doing this morning. We're receiving the word of God. It's not my word, it's from the Bible. And when we receive the word of God, it's gonna create hope. It's gonna create counsel, comfort. It's gonna create definition. It's gonna create direction. It's gonna create joy and peace. 
And peace comes into my life and into your life when we just stop trying to manage everything in my life. And, and, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. In Isaiah 32, and if you have a Bible, you can look at this with me. Isaiah 32, verses 16 and through 18. This is what the peace of God looks like. And again, peace of God does not relate to the silence in a situation because things may not get quieter. Actually, they might get even louder. But what we have inside is an inner quietness and an inner peace because we know that government of God is on his shoulders. God is in control. Isaiah 32, verse 16 says this, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. And this is describing, these verses are describing when Jesus reigns on the earth a thousand years. And this is coming in the future when Jesus comes back. Verse 17, look at these words. The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness is quietness and confidence forever. So I'm going to close with this. Do you know when you and I just surrender ourselves to God, and we say, God, I'm just going to surrender myself to you, and I'm going to let you be my Lord this Christmas. You are going to be my God. I don't know how that's going to all work, but Lord, I believe on you. I trust in you, and I just, you, I'm going to, I want you to be that baby Jesus in the major. I want you to be in my life as my Lord and Savior. And when we do that, the peace of God comes in, and we stop wrestling with our issues. We stop taking ownership of our problems, and we bring them all to God. And what happens well, that's the work of righteousness, and the work of righteousness is just the peace of God. The peace of God. I want to encourage you as we close this, this morning, that when you have some time by yourself, and I, and I hope you do, like it's just so important. I like to do this in the mornings. I like to get up, and I know sometimes doing this means less sleep, but getting up early in the morning before everybody else, going to my, my little desk, and just sitting there and just being quiet before the Lord and just saying, God, okay, here I am. I'm a creation. I'm a created being. And I'm just going to be quiet before the almighty God, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, Prince of Peace. I'm just going to be quiet. And I'm just going to acknowledge your presence. And it, it's a little bit of a struggle sometimes because you've got things going on in your minds. But to train our minds to get quiet before God and just worship the Lord. You know, when the Magi and the shepherds came to baby Jesus at the manger, they were worshiping him. And that's what worship is. It's when we get quiet before God, in surrender to God. And when we surrender to God, then God rewards our soul with peace. I love it. I mean, I was talking with some of you, you know, these last few months. I love it because what God is doing in people's lives is amazing. We go to bed at night and we have peace in our heart. You know, I mean, it, it, we don't have, we're not lacking questions because we have questions. And there's questions that, that we may not get answers to until maybe decades later. But we have quietness and we have peace in our heart. And we know that God is in control. And when we do that and we begin to function in peace, and what's the result of that? We don't have to take uh, medication. <laughs> I mean, some of us... <laughs> We need medication just to just make it through our day. But like when we are looking, when we just understand the peace of God, that God comes in and he becomes such a river of peace for us. 
And the whole key is, is who's running my life? Who's ruling my life? And just a simple message this, this, this day, today, I just want to leave you with is, is this Christmas, let's just take time by ourselves and with our family to get on our knees before that, that baby, uh, Jesus Christ, at the manger in that very humble place and let God speak to us about the amazing birth and the humility of God and the work of, work of righteousness, which comes by faith, trusting in the Lord. Because when that happens, that's when we discover confidence. That's when we discover peace. And that's when we stop. We're going we, to notice that we sleep better. We're going to be less reactionary. And we're just going to enter into maturity, spiritual maturity. Because spiritual maturity in Psalm 131 verse 2 is when I learn how to be quiet like a weaned child from his mother. And that's spiritual maturity. I just want to thanks, thank you for coming this morning. And um, just want to encourage you to visit us more often if you can. Uh, we have a lot of great things happening here. And we just love, you know, we love what God's doing. There's a lot of new faces here over the last few months and we're just happy to see what God's doing and thank you for your prayers and we just really are praying for you and your family this season that God would bless your Christmas. Amen. All right, let's close in prayer.